ready. You're listening to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your host, Micah from Fifth Quarter and Dan from ACC Content. Dan, let's hope this week in the ACC is a little bit better. Um, the Big Ten starts, Mountain West starts, um, even though obviously it's not this weekend, but next Tuesday, the Max starts, which is my favorite um, group of five conference. But, you know, a pretty big week in the ACC, especially for some of our uh, if we want to separate those categories you like to talk about where, you know, there's the top few teams and there's a gap and there's another block of teams and a gap, you know, we can really kind of determine those gaps here uh, this weekend with some of these games. So I don't know if you just want to dive right into it or if you got any comments, but you know, if you have any comments, feel free, but if not, we'll just jump right into the first game of the day and probably going to be the worst one of the, of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Max starts uh, your second favorite conference and Mountain West, for whatever reason, I just love all the teams in there. So I get to dial in on hopefully weeknights to watch that. I haven't really looked at the schedule, but yeah, um, ACC is now we're approaching like the middle of the season. So after this week, I'll have some midseason accolades, some uh, midseason all ACC teams, but uh, for this week, first game of the day, I mean, how much is there really to talk about this? We'll kind of break it down a little bit. But, yeah, Syracuse at Clemson, 46-point spread. Yeah, so real quick, Dan, you're Mountain West. You're going to be very excited. This Saturday is Mountain West after dark. Pretty much every game is at at least 8 o'clock Eastern or later. So you'll have a, a, a nice selection of Mountain West football to watch on Saturday night after pretty much all the dust had settled here in the ACC. So look forward to that. But, yeah, let's not look forward to this one, Dan. Um, Syracuse, yeah, they uh, they look dead in the water. Um, obviously, Tommy DeVito and Andre Sisco are still out. Clemson is rolling in all cylinders. Um, I do I – am, I am curious, Dan. Do you think Clemson will do what they did against Georgia Tech this week too? Because a part of me feels like Clemson got a lot of heat for that, and I don't know if they do it again. But this would easily be the best chance for them to do it the rest of the year because this Syracuse team looks dead in the water. Not to mention, I don't know if you saw, but Syracuse's AD came out and said, you know, that Dino Babers is their guy and that he's not like, you know, even if they lose out the rest of the year, he's not on any hot seat. They want him for a long time coming, which – I don't necessarily disagree with. I think Dino Babers is a good coach and just needs the right situation. He's not really had some had some luck the last two years. But at the same point, like that kind of takes away that Syracuse might play for Dino Babers' job type of uh, added benefit, I guess, to kind of keep, keep this one somewhat close. And by somewhat close, I mean four or five scores with this spread being 46. So what are your thoughts, Dan? I'm saying Clemson is going to cover, which I hate the whole 46-point spread idea, but – and I think that you see the over-under at 61-and-a-half. I wouldn't be shocked if Clemson hits that by themselves. Yeah, so first off, um, to comment on your Dino Bavers point, I am fully behind them keeping him long-term. I think he's a good coach in a bad situation, and he's a perfect fit for Syracuse. They like him there. Um, it's just hard to win, and I don't see them making like a home run hire anyway. Uh, to answer your question about the spread and whether – uh, Clemson basically d does exactly what they did last week against Georgia Tech. I mean, if they get up to that point, I don't see them taking their foot off the gas. I see them still running plays. I don't think that they're going to respond to the criticism by taking a knee with six minutes left 
or like doing very conservative play calling, which, you know, will basically be an automatic three and out. I don't think that will be the case, but I actually will have Syracuse with a backdoor cover. Um, I mean, it, it's funny that what are we talking about? We're talking about whether Clemson will win by 46 or more, but I mean, that's all we have to do. The only reason I think Syracuse backdoor covers is because I think Clemson will be missing one, maybe two backup quarterbacks. Um, DJU probably won't play that much because he's recovering from injury and then Taysom P is definitely out. So that's the only reason the lack of depth this week at quarterback. But I mean, that's all I really have to say in terms of Syracuse, like, what does success look like for them? Because obviously they're not going to win this game and they're not going to come close. Well, first off, obviously not getting Georgia Tech, but I think if they reestablish their strengths and like somewhat contain this, the Clemson receivers with their secondary, obviously it'll be difficult against Trevor Lawrence and without Andre Cisco, but that's still their, the strength of their team. So if they could somewhat do that, I guess you could talk a, run away with the win because no matter what, Travis Etienne is going to run all over them. Yeah, I think it's interesting. The uh, the top receiver in this game, technically statistically, Dan, of course, we're not just saying pure talent, is technically Taj Harris for Syracuse. So this obviously shows how much, you know, of a rushing attack this Clemson team has had with Travis Etienne. Another fun fact about this game, Dan, which I you know, obviously makes Syracuse look very, very bad, but this is the first time in ESPN's FBI history that a Power 5 matchup has taken place. And the Power Five favorite is a 99.3 or higher percent like favorite in their FBI index. They're 99.4% chance they're going to win this one. So, I mean, you're saying there's a chance with Syracuse here, Dan, but let's be honest, that's not really a chance. So, I'm kind of ready to move forward because I don't think there's much to talk about in this game. I mean, we could go back and forth on why Syracuse might backdoor cover, but that's not worth our time. So, um, if you're ready to move on, I'm ready to talk about a pretty daggone, probably possibly the best matchup in the conference this weekend. Yeah, let's move on. NC State at North Carolina. I'd be hyping this up for easily game of the week had Leary not been getting hurt. So that's that's really unfortunate. Even with Bailey Hoffman, though, I'm still going to make it my game of the week. And mostly because I think this slate is not as good as the last couple weeks. But also it's a ranked versus ranked matchup, and the spread is pretty big, but it, it'll be a good one. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. So let's get into it. Yeah, I have an issue with this spread, Dan. I get it. You know, Devin Leary has definitely definitely earned the job at NC State this year. But, I mean, it's not like Bailey Hockman is, you know, no offense to Virginia's Lindell Stone or, you know, for example, even just look around the conference. I mean, Syracuse is uh, Rex Culpepper. But that's not a huge downgrade in, in quarterback comparatively to some of these ACC teams. And so a part of me kind of feels like 15 and a half seems a little much considering everything that is, this is a rivalry game, you know, NC state, if they win this wins the the big four in the state of North Carolina, which Dan, obviously you're not from North Carolina where I am, you know, that's a big deal. I mean, Wake Forest, it was their claim to fame last year that they won the big four. So, you know, it's one of those things where NC state really wants this game. Of course, the, you know, beat that cross, uh, cross-state rival in my cross-state, I mean, like 45-minute drive cross-state. Um, you know, this is one of those games where 15 and a half seems a little much to me, especially with the over-under only being 60. So that one that one has me guessing a little bit. But, 
Yeah, it does stink that Devin Leary's out because this game, like you said, would be so much better, so much more hype. I would love to see Devin Leary and Sam Howell. And as much as I want to go with the pack here, Dan, I I don't think I can see Bailey Hockman outdueling Sam Howell. I do think NC State's going to cover, though. I think 15 and a half is just ridiculously high uh, considering the fact there. And so UNC is the home team, and there are, there are some tickets available, Dan. I've, I don't know if Twitter's lying to me, but there seems like a lot of state fans have uh, – Gotten their uh, gotten their seats for this one in uh, in Chapel Hill, so I wouldn't be shocked of of all the uh, actual butts in seats if it's close to 50-50 red and, and Carolina blue. So uh, we'll get into the matchups a little bit more. This is probably a big game to talk about, but I'm just curious for your thoughts initially on this spread. Yeah. So um, first off, on the whole Big Four concept, like um, this is the First year, actually, no, last year they all played each other. Each team had three games against the other North Carolina schools. Most years that's not the case. But, I mean, if you take the records, I actually did some research into this. Um, each of the teams have won over the past five years. So we had four winners in five years. The, um, NC State, the last time they did it was 2016. But they have a chance to do it again here in 2020 with a win. And if UNC wins, they still have – two North Carolina games to go in order to sweep and win themselves. But yeah, to answer your question about the spread, um, I, I completely on the page, same page as you. I think UNC will win. I think they're going to come out angry and they finally figured out their offense, which I'll, I'll kind of get to in a second, but 15 and a half is just too big for me. So another one where I'll take the underdog covering um, UNC outright. I think they get close. I think, it's going to be like a 10, 13, 14 point game. Yeah, I think also it's, it just still rubs me the wrong way. I mean, I get it. Bailey Hockman really hasn't, you know, proven himself that much, but he was a starter for a majority of the season last year. I mean, he, he has a decent percentage and again, you know, is technically his QBR is 117 this year, which, eh, but you know, at the same, actually, no, this is, this number is definitely off. This is a weird rating number. Excuse my stat there, Dan. That was a big swing in the miss, but against Wake Forest, his QBR was a 74.3. So not bad, but then you look at his uh, QBR against Virginia Tech, Dan, 2.8. <laughs> so uh, I, I think I can lean the defense of Virginia Tech was a little bit better than the defense at Wake. So we'll give him that. I don't know why it's a 72-point gap. Uh, you know, he wasn't too bad against Duke uh, last week when he stepped up to, you know, replace Leary. Technically, he led the team to victory in that that fourth quarter. But, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see uh, what NC State's pass rush can do against this, uh, or I guess, I guess defensive front in general, against, you know, trying to balance this, because we, everyone knows about Sam Howell and this, you know, deep ball game with you know, the receivers he's got with Yami Brown and Daz Newsome and, and, you know, a majority cast of others. But this run game really has been, you know, the, the extra push that's given UNC wins. I mean, that's what won the game against Virginia Tech was, you know, Michael Carter going off and, and having a big day. So, you know, if NC State can slow the run, which they've been pretty good this year stopping the run, they've only given up um, – 153 yards so not too terrible not great but you know if they can kind of slow Michael Carter down enough 
to make it to where, you know, Sam Howell's got to beat him. I still think he can obviously do it, but they got to pick one or the other. And I, and I don't, I don't know where, where you would attack if you're NC state, because the secondary for NC state is, has shown it's uh it's fair, uh, Fair struggles, especially Wake Forest, picked them apart in that win um, in week one. Or, yeah, NC State's win in week one. So, if you're NC State, how, how do you attack this UNC offense? I mean, so, I'm more concerned, honestly, about if UNC if the UNC offense makes themselves exploitable themselves. Because I was reading an article, I saw a good point in that, um, Last year, North Carolina's success came on that downfield passing and the RPOs, and they went away from a lot of that the last couple weeks until they really had their back against the wall. And then Sam Howell had to chuck the ball, and that's when they finally start to score points consistently. So hopefully they could take that into this NC State and go with a downfield passing attack on offense because that is where they could be dangerous. And if I'm NC State, I'm playing some, um, I don't know, maybe – some like deep cover concepts, some cover three. I'm not sure how to attack it because if you play too conservative, you play nickel defense every play, they're going to, they have two fantastic running backs that'll run it up, run it down your throat. So it's, it's really hard to say, but I think when I'm looking more at this North Carolina offense and NC state defensive matchup, I think it lies more in UNC's destiny than anything and um the you brought up a good point about how Bailey Hockman he's been kind of hit or miss this year but the one game that he played the entire game was against Wake and he scored 45 points in one yes it was mostly because he was handing it off to his backs who both um person and Knight went off but it's not like the UNC defense will be that much better than Wake yes it'll be a little bit better but it won't be that much better so it could get into another shootout. It has shootout potential. It'll kind of be – but I think if it does, like it'll kind of be like that Virginia Tech game where the Tar Heels offense is just too much of a force to handle. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And that's where – that's where this game's going to be fun, Dan. It's not my game of the week just because, I, I mean, I give you, like you said, if Devin Leary's in quarterback, then obviously this is going to be the game of the week. But, um, you know, a game – coming up pretty soon it's gonna be my game of the week but yeah this one's gonna be a good one Dan I'm kind of excited to dial in at noon on ESPN honestly the obviously the Syracuse Clubs game is not great the noon slate is you know probably the the best in terms of games obviously against Syracuse Clemson not gonna be a great one but in my opinion it's probably the, the most telling card of the ACC but any other thoughts on this game Dan before we kind of move forward to the next noon kickoff which is actually going to be my game of the week in Florida State and Louisville? No, I think um, I hit it all, or we hit it all. Um, yeah, let's move on to Florida State and Louisville. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of this game because it kind of confuses me a little bit, both teams um, in this respect, because Florida State started out the year awful, struggled with Jacksonville State, and then just beat number five North Carolina. Louisville, on the other hand, they've been an offensive, I guess I want to say power, but I guess I'll say one-dimensional offensive-based team with a terrible defense, and they just played a 12-7 game against Notre Dame. So I really don't know what to make of this, but maybe you could help guide me a little bit. What are your kind of initial thoughts on this game? 
Well, see, Louisville bothers me, Dan, because I was right about them being overrated. But in the same sense, I still have them in my top 10, and they've won one football game. So I really don't know what to make of this Louisville team. Talent-wise, Florida State's the better team. And my argument would have been, well, Louisville's got this good culture. It's got this, you know, team that's just ready to go. Um, you know, obviously we talked about how important that offense was going to be in the offseason, but really haven't done much. And that's where I, I think you know, this kind of comes down to, you know, who's going to step up the most. I think that Malik, Michael, however he's going by now, uh, Cunningham is going to have a day. I think that he's, he, he's destined for one. He didn't have a very good day last week against Notre Dame. He had a pretty solid week minus turning the ball over against Georgia Tech. I think Florida State's in for a letdown. I don't like that Louisville's a five-point favorite, Dan. That's a little a little much for me, if I'm being honest. So I'm going to go Florida State to cover here. I'm going to say Louisville wins on like a field goal. Um, but yeah, this one, this one's strange. Um, it is, you know, it's hard to pick Louisville when their best, their best and only win is Western Kentucky. Where, I mean, obviously, if it was, if this was a who was better and Florida State was one and four two after losing to UNC last week, then we might make the argument that Louisville is better. But, you know, after that went over North Carolina, Florida State looks like the better team. But I'm still going to go Louisville here. This is my uh, this is Louisville's last chance to keep my respect. If they lose this game, Dan, they are falling to the worst team in the conference. And I'm saying that nicely only because Syracuse has won a conference game. So if Louisville uh, loses this one, they are going to fall drastically in my power rankings. So I'm kind of hoping and cheering for them to give me something to believe in. But my favorite thing is, Dan, they are very statistically close in points per game, both scoring 24 and then some change points per game. So, uh, and, and total yards as well are pretty close, always got separated by about 15, by about 15 yards. So, you know, and what's been most amazing to me, Dan, and I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Florida State's defense has actually been a lot worse than uh, Louisville's defense, which, it's kind of crazy to think about considering, you know, what we saw from Louisville's defense, especially, you know, in the games against, you know, Miami and uh, Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting you're kind of leaning Louisville here, but I'm going to kind of uh, – I'm leaning Florida State, actually, and it's because of a point that you brought up. So I talked about how confused I am with both of these teams. I'm just going to go with which team is better. And that's Florida State. I'm also leaning a close game, and it's really a toss-up. But I'm going to go with Florida State because here's the thing. Um, yes, the Florida State defense has not been good, but they've actually been pretty good in pass coverage this year. And actually, Asante Samuel has been um, one of the best corners in the country. I think a lot of people wouldn't realize that because he – they haven't been tuned in too much to Florida state games when there's all these other fantastic college football on, why would you watch a one in three team? But Asante Samuel has been locked down. So this could be another game where Louisville has trouble throwing the ball. And we've seen, especially against Pitt, Louisville can't succeed in a one dimensional offense. They can't, you know, abandon. Okay. We can't pass the ball. Let's just run it up. The, let's just, run it down their throat with um, JV on Hawkins all game. That's not going to work. So that's kind of why I like Florida state. Again, it's close. Um, I'm not sure whether to lean high scoring or low scoring. I think this game will be in the twenties. I, I really want to see how this 
Florida State offense too versus this Louisville defense plays out because both were uncharacteristically good as of recent, but relatively weak in general. So that kind of plays to how I'm just really confused about this game, but that's kind of leads to a little bit of excitement. Like, you know, we, we get to learn a good amount about who these teams really are, what their identities are. Yeah. And, that, and that's why this is my game of the week, Dan, because it's going to, it's going to determine a big step forward in my thought process around these two teams and really the ACC in general. You think about it, if Florida state wins this game, then they're not legit. Obviously they're not a top 25 team or anything like that. I'm not getting all way ahead of myself, but this is a Florida state team that might, you know, finish above 500. They could be in those talks at, at the very least. Cause, because again, he mentioned it, the talent is there. It's just a matter of getting it to piece together. And if Mike Norvell is able to get that going, this is a team that can, you know, win five games this year, six games, you know, where if Louisville wins this game, it kind of shows that Florida state is exactly what we kind of thought. They're just, they're just there. Talent might be able to win them a football game or two. I mean, last week they did everything in their power to try to lose that game to UNC in the fourth quarter. But unfortunately for them trying so hard, they were still able to win the football game. But when it comes to Louisville, you know, on the flip side, if, if they lose this one, Louisville might not win a game the rest of the year, Dan. I mean, maybe maybe they catch catch one against Wake or something like that. But, you know, I, I'm not going to really be comfortable in, uh, in Louisville either. I mean, they got Syracuse, and that's probably about it that you might see Louisville favorited in. Where if Louisville wins this game, we're talking at least, you know, a good year, one or two more wins, which, again, is not what our preaching expectations for Louisville was. But you know, it, it's a step in the right direction because they need to end this reeling quickly because they can't afford to just continue to lose uh, like they have been. So this game is, again, not the best game of the weekend in terms of teams, but in my opinion, the most fun game to watch. But any other thoughts, Dan, before we move on to a, a big one in uh, in the old ketchup bottle there in Pittsburgh? Um, the only thing I'll say about, like, just saying Louisville, if they lose this game, might go winless the rest of the year. I mean – that's what it would look like if you look at it on paper, but the ACC always surprises us. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go that far because we, we thought that way about Syracuse. We thought that way about Duke. We thought that way about Florida state and they all pulled off wins. So um, that's all I'll say, but yeah, let's move on to Virginia tech at wake. Is that what we got next? No, I, I figured we'd go to Notre Dame and Pittsburgh. All right, let's do that. Let's go Notre Dame Pittsburgh only because I like to use the ketchup bottle reference, but either or kicks off at three thirty. But let's go with Notre Dame Pitt only because I think there's some intrigue to this. And uh, I was on the uh, Gobble Up podcast. Shout out to those guys if you're a Virginia Tech fan or just want to look to uh, us learn a little bit more about Virginia Tech athletics and really get some good, you know, insight. Listen, check out their podcast. They're a fifth quarter podcast. They do a great job. Shout out to Carter and them over there at the Gobble Em Up podcast. But I was a guest, was a guest picker for this week. And you know, we were talking this Notre Dame Pitt game. I mean, in a normal time, Dan, if Kenny Pickett's in the lineup for Pitt and Pitt looks healthy and, you know, Pitt's got Heinz Field has, you know, 50,000 people in it, Pitt wins this game, right? I mean, this is just the definition of a Pat Narduzzi upset. Uh, a little fun fact for you, Dan, if you didn't know, the spread, of course, is Notre Dame at 10. 
and Pitt beat UCF last year. The spread was UCF by 10 and a half. Um, when Pitt beat Penn State a few years ago at Heinz Field, Pitt was also a 10 and a half point underdog. So Narduzzi likes those uh, 10 to 10 and a half point spreads uh, at home against teams that they're not supposed to beat in the top 25. Not saying that this is going to happen here, but, you know, in a normal world, Dan, I would be all over Pitt right now. I'd be hammering Pitt. But with Kenny Pickett out, I don't think Pitt's offense is going to be able to put up points at the level that they need to to beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame, unfortunately, their offense really isn't anything special. They're going to hit a big play or two against Pitt. And I just don't know. I really don't know if Pitt scores a touchdown, Dan. I really don't know. Just with how good this Notre Dame defense is, the one thing about Notre Dame that makes them a top five team is how good that defense is. But again, Pitt's offense really doesn't have a lot going for it right now with, you know, Kenny Pickett being out of the lineup. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on this one, Dan? I'm going to go with Pitt to cover the spread at 10, but Notre Dame is going to win this game. Yeah, I, I agree with that um, about Notre Dame winning, but the the point about how if Kenny Pickett would have played, then it would be a really good game, and I would be at least somewhat inclined to take Pitt to upset because of, like, how historically they've played Notre Dame well and how – you know, these kind of spreads where they're 10 or so point underdogs, they love to um, pull off upsets. And I was actually trying to um, add to your point. I looked up that in 2017 when they upset Miami, remember that? That was Kenny Pickett's first game. How was mm-hmm. this? Yeah, the spread was 22 in that. So it's wow. not just the smallest spreads that they, I don't know how that was 22, but either anyway, so this game, um, yeah, I, I actually have Notre Dame winning and covering the 10.5-point spread just because I don't think Joey Yellen is the type of quarterback that will um, be able to keep King things close and put up some points. I think you talked about it last episode, like um, how Joey Yellen is way too conservative with the ball in, in terms of being an underdog and – you know, trying to make big plays. Whereas if Joey Yellen was the quarterback of a much more talented team, then it would be much in, he'd be in much better shape because, you know, you can let the talent around you win. But that's why I just think that he's not the type of quarterback that's going to go and get it done. Um, I think this, yeah, game managers won't pull up upset. So that's, that's kind of why I'm leaning Notre Dame and I'm leaning them minus 10 and a half. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if this was, you know, if, if if Notre Dame's defense wasn't what it was, I still could see Pitt winning this one. But, again, you mentioned it. I mean, I just – I think Kenny Pickett took enough step forward to where he could lead an upset. He's done it before. I just don't think Elon can do that against a defense this good. And, unfortunately, I mean, Ian Book – so, Dan, if I told you that Notre Dame was undefeated in the number three – if I told you the number three team in the country – had a quarterback that's only had three touchdown passes all season and we're four games into like they've played four games. Would you believe me? No, I, it's just weird. Like Notre Dame is just not impressed us at all, except for against South Florida, but they just keep winning and nothing is on upset watch. They've just been so strange this year. I'm pretty sure Virginia Dan has more quarterbacks that have thrown three touchdown passes than Ian book has thrown touchdown. passes. <laughs> 
I mean, unbelievable. It's just ridiculous. Like, I've always tried to defend Notre Dame for being nationally ranked because I always, like, in the top five, because I always think that Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State really are just a league of their own, especially this year. But good grief, Dan. I, I, I gave UNC a lot of hate for being top five. How in the heck is Notre Dame top three? I get it. No one else has really been that much more impressive. You know, I got a little bit of heat because I was like, why, why would Georgia be above Notre Dame? The only reason why I said it is just Georgia hasn't really looked great either, and they lost the game. But Notre Dame has looked bad. Bad for a top-10 team. That's probably a better way of putting it. But, yeah, this um, this offense for Notre Dame needs – this could be a good one for Notre Dame. Uh, Pitt's defense is good, but we've seen it, Dan. Too many big plays by Pitt's defense. Um, if Notre Dame can hit a big one or two, maybe that gets the offense going. But, yeah, goodness gracious – Three touchdown passes for Ian Book all year. Yeah, that's <laughs> I didn't expect brutal. to do that. And I, I didn't expect to see Notre Dame number thir- three in the country. I guess I just haven't been following the rankings closely because I guess it makes sense. They haven't lost a game, but I did not realize they were the third-ranked team in the country. I genuinely feel like Coastal Carolina has played better football than Notre Dame this year. Shout-out to uh, my buddy at fifth quarter CCU. But, oh, oof, big oof there, but – any other thoughts on this one, Dan? I feel like we would talk a lot more about it, but again, I, I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, if, if Yellen can have a day, then then Pitt's going to probably win this game because it's just the Narduzzi special. But at the same sense, you know, I just don't see it with this Notre Dame defense. Yeah, the only thing I could see is it being a low-scoring, grinded-out game. But even in that respect, I think Notre Dame wins because they have experience in those games too. And I think – I'm pretty sure there was a game within the last two years against with Pitt and Notre Dame where that exact thing happened and Notre Dame won by a couple points. But um, I mean, the, the only way I see Notre Dame winning or Pitt winning this one, Dan, is if Alex Kassman drills a 69 yard field goal <laughs> off and crosswinds at the good old ketchup bottle. But hey, yeah. he, still has, he still has the longest field goal in Heinz Field history. So true. So maybe, maybe 69 yards is in his, uh, his fortune this weekend. If, if he had 69 yards, I'm going to give away 69. I'm going to, I'll, I'll Venmo you $69, Dan. How's that sound? Well, that sounds good. <laughs> I well, say, well, you ready to move on to that game? You kind of jumped the gun on the Virginia Tech. Yeah. My lovely town of Winston-Salem to take on my Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Yeah, I jumped the gun on that a little bit. But, yeah, now I'm ready. Um, I think this one will be a good matchup. Both of them coming off good wins. Wake over Virginia and Virginia Tech over Boston College, both by three scores. So um, this will be a pretty good matchup. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Virginia Tech is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, if I'm being honest. Um, I know they've looked pretty good, but I still think that you got to give Wake Forest some credit, though. So, Dan, I, I, I was able to get some tickets, of course, to this one being a donor over at Wake Forest. Well, uh, as of about, uh, about a couple hours ago, uh, Wake Forest said students were not going to be allowed inside the, the stadium due to uh, a spike of COVID cases on campus. So they opened up those seats to the general public, Dan. So how do you think that's going right now with a two-hour drive from Blacksburg down to Winston-Salem? So there might be more Hokies fans in attendance on Saturday than there are Wake Forest fans with the entire visiting sideline being maroon. So when you watch that game on TV, Dan, don't be surprised if you see a lot of maroon and orange, but 
man, um, this is Wake Forest. If they want to win this football game, their defensive line, their rush defense in general needs to play much better than it has. I mean, they played pretty well against Virginia last week, but no offense to Virginia. They really haven't been, especially with Lindell Stone as the quarterback, really haven't been this big rushing juggernaut because, you know, they haven't been able to open up plays with a quarterback that can be fairly mobile. Um, but, you know, between Hendon Hooker for Heisman, by the way, and Cleo Herbert also for Heisman, you know, Wake Forest has got a uh, – a daunting task in front of them. Uh, Boogie Basham is from Roanoke, which you know, is where I'm from, about 25, 30 minutes from Blacksburg. So it, that might help him play a little bit better, get a chance of revenge after how last year went. But yeah, this, uh, when, when we've got a wake or a Virginia tech team, that's averaging about 312 yards rushing a game. And then we've got a wake forest team that gives up about 200 yards of rushing a game. Not ideal, but on the flip side, Wake Forest can throw the ball, and that's where Virginia Tech, you know, obviously the secondary's had some holes in it throughout the throughout the season due to COVID-related issues. You know, it's a it's a battle of uh, strength on weakness almost, if you would say put it that way, Dan. So, kind of, what are your thoughts here? I'm going to save my prediction because I kind of want to talk about this game before we get more into it. But you know, this one this one has the chance to be a very good game, and unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be zero zero at the end of regulation, Dan. Oh no, I, I I'm leaning like the complete opposite of that. Um, yeah, I'm leaning like a shootout to be honest. But I think the reason I'm I'm confident in Virginia Tech is because if there is one team that defense could step up, it's definitely gonna be Virginia Tech. Um, I mean, their secondary has not been so good. Uh, I mean, with the Wake Forest offense, that'll be a challenge to them, but. I, I just think that they have so much talent in that defensive backfield and I'll kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because they've had so many cases, um, COVID cases in the, among defensive backs. So they haven't had, they haven't had a full personnel most weeks. And also at the same time, they haven't had the time to mold and build chemistry. So that's why I still have a little bit of hope in that Virginia tech secondary. And I think that, if one defense were to step up, it would be Virginia Tech. So um, either it's a shootout, which I lean Virginia Tech's offense more, or Virginia Tech wins handily because they play a more well-rounded game, which I just – I want to see them. So I want to see them do. So um, I guess I'll take Virginia Tech covering the eight-and-a-half-point spread. See, I'm looking at it right now, Dan. It's It keeps shifting between eight-and-a-half, nine, nine-and-a-half. It's all over the place. But – so my favorite stat line is both teams average margin of victory is 11 points, which is pretty, pretty good. Obviously Wake Forest has had the luxury of, you know, beating the absolute breaks out of the Campbell camels, but Wake Forest looked pretty good against Virginia. That game was close though, until the fourth quarter when Virginia had a crucial turnover that just kind of allowed Wake Forest to kind of just open the door and, and really just, you know, put the dagger into Virginia there. But again, same kind of thing with Virginia Tech and Boston College. That game was very close, too, until, you know, late third quarter and then the fourth quarter, you know, Virginia Tech just took a commanding lead and never looked back. But I, I thought it was interesting, Dan. You said that if it's a shootout, you lean Virginia Tech. I'm the other way around. If this game is like by, by a shootout, I mean both teams are in the 40s. I'm leaning Wake here. I just know how Dave Clawson works. He loves these shootout games. 
I just think this would be the time because if it turns into a big shootout like that, it needs Wake Forest. Where if it's a, if it's a the defenses have stepped up. I think Virginia Tech has the better defense here, so I think that's where it's going to kind of run into things. I just can't wait to see like two different styles where Wake Forest is trying to throw the ball all game and Virginia Tech's trying to run the ball all, all night. So you know, obviously, I'm going to lean Virginia Tech here. I'm going to go with them. I don't know if they cover. Maybe it's my bias. So I'm going to say Wake Forest loses by a touchdown. So technically, you know, they'll cover that nine, nine and a half, eight and a half spread. But the only reason why I say that is I just, I do think that Wake Forest's offense will score. I'm still questioning Virginia Tech's secondary health-wise in general. Even if they're able to play, I mean, how much shape they're going to be in and everything like that, especially with the up-tempo offense that Wake Forest likes to run. I mean, Virginia Tech hasn't really seen that besides against UNC, and we saw how that game went. Yeah. Again, I think Hendon Hooker is, is the better quarterback in this game. I think Khalil Herbert's the better running back in this game. And, you know, I, I just think that in the end, Virginia Tech will win this game. But this game has the potential of being an upset. You know, if Virginia Tech wants to, you know, kind of solidify and keep, keep its hopes alive of somehow potentially sneaking into that conference championship game, which is going to be very difficult to do. But if they find a way to do it, you know, they have they can't they really can't lose out the right they can't lose another game the rest of the year, Dan, minus Clemson if they want to keep that hope alive. Yeah, I was actually talking about that a little bit. How if we consider Clemson an automatic loss, which I do, um, then Virginia Tech is probably in worse shape than the other one to zero loss conference teams. I mean, Miami, their only loss is to Clemson. Notre Dame hasn't lost yet. We assume that they'll lose to Clemson. And then, I mean, UNC, they beat Virginia Tech, and they, they, they lost to Florida State, but they have rooms for cushion because they're not playing Clemson. So I completely agree. I think Virginia Tech has to win out, and it's just – it's a tough situation for them, and, and they're not set up great in order to make that conference championship game, I think. UNC has a little bit of an advantage in that respect, but um, do you have any final thoughts? Because I think, I think we've covered most of it, but before we move on to our next game, do you have any last things to say? The over under is 68 and a half. So, but the, uh, but the over, but that is about all I have there. So let's move on. Georgia tech heads to, Good old Chestnut Hill to take on Boston College and what might be one of the more beautiful backdrops in college football right now. Uh, I've never been to the heights up there in, in Chestnut Hill, but man, is it gorgeous. I mean, you live up in the Northeast and it's gorgeous this time of year up there, but um, that doesn't help you win football games, unfortunately. But Boston College is a three and a half point favorite. Um, this game, I really don't know what to make of it, Dan, because I mean, obviously Boston, both teams got blown out last week. Georgia Tech's much worse especially with Boston College being competitive in that game. Boston College really hasn't done anything to really impress me. Well, they haven't done anything to make me feel like they're not a good football team. Where Georgia Tech has done the exact opposite. They've either blown my mind with how they played and win a game I don't think they had a chance to win, or they let me down by losing to Syracuse or losing 73-7 to to Clemson. So this, this game might honestly be tougher to make something of than Florida State-Louisville, in my opinion. Just because we've seen these teams just walk through games, and then we've seen these teams step up and make plays when they need to, and I don't know which Georgia because if we're just going purely off of the best Georgia Tech team versus the best Boston College team, 
Georgia Tech wins this football game. But I think consistency-wise, Boston College has been the more consistent team. So what are we going to get? Are we going to get the best Georgia Tech team? Or are we going to get this just, you know, shoulder shrug of a Georgia Tech team where, in that case, I'm going to lean Boston College. But what are your thoughts, Dan? A three-and-a-half point spread in favor of the Eagles. What are you leaning? Because I really don't know. (laughs) It's interesting because I actually have a lock on this game. This is my lock of the week is Boston College minus three and a half. Um, I have a few reasons. Um, first off, which I didn't even write down what you brought up. Like I think Boston College has been more consistent, but even Georgia Tech's best, I think Boston College has played well enough that I'd still be somewhat confident in them winning if it's Boston College normal against Georgia Tech's best. But the reasons I wrote down was – First off, Boston College is at home, so I'm not sure what their deal is with fans, but I know Georgia Tech, had, they have fans, so they won't get the home field advantage with that. Um, I don't think Boston College has fans, right? No. No. Um, also, these teams are – I think these teams are separated in ability by more than three points. I think we've seen more from, from uh, Boston College. Um, they have some good wins on their resume. They came close against UNC, so – um, that's why I think that in terms of pure ability, I think Boston college is more than three and a half points better than Georgia tech. And then finally, remember about the Clemson effect, which we talked about last week affecting Miami and ultimately did, even though they won, I think the Clemson effect will happen against Georgia tech where they're just beaten down physically and mentally. And yes, the culture is strong, but still, I mean, it's hard to come out firing after such an embarrassing showing. So um, they are capable of it, but the Clemson effect is physical as well as mental. So with that considered, I like Boston College. Yeah, I I think you're right, Dan. I do think Boston College wins this football game. So every time, I mean, obviously minus Georgia Tech, Clemson, I've picked against Georgia Tech. They found a way to uh, shut me up. So, you know, they're 2-0 and when I pick against them and 2-0 and when I pick for them. Minus the Clemson game. But that one, that one was a little bit too easy. But, I mean, I, I want to see – I mean, this is the battle of, of, the, of the new brands, new cultures within the ACC. I want to see if you know, these two quarterbacks can really continue to, to thrive. I mean, we're talking about two quarterbacks that have thrown for 1,000 yards already. I mean, I, I love it. And it blows my mind that, you know, we're still talking about David Bailey, the leading rusher for Boston College. He has 189 yards. And that's not like in one game that we would have assumed would be true. That's all season. So, I mean, geez, this this is going to be a pretty fun game. I'm kind of surprised that ESPN's FBI has Boston College winning by 69%. So, nice on that one. But this is going to be interesting. This is going to be a fun one. We'll go Boston College. I'm going to go with Georgia Tech to cover because that's how unsure I am about this game. So I'm just going to give that, give me that, you know, this is a three and a half Boston College wins on a walk-off field goal because we've seen Boston College win two games, their last two home games. Or I, guess, I guess the two last home games they've won by a field goal or less. So give me Boston College here. But yeah, this one ought to be interesting. Any, any other final thoughts on this one, Dan, before we wrap up our last game of the ACC slate? Let's just hope that um, – I mean, the way this game is close is if Boston College, like, turns over the football, like, 
three fumbles last week and a pick, I believe, happened. So um, Georgia Tech could take care of it better. We saw that two games ago for the Jackets against Louisville, where Louisville was probably a more talented team, but they had better ball security, which is not common for Georgia Tech this year. So if that's the case, then that's how Georgia Tech wins this game. And I think Georgia Tech has some firepower on offense with Jameer Gibbs and that whole running back core and Jeff Sims. But Boston College is just an overall better team. I'm not going to pick against them. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. All right, moving on to the final game of the night, uh, or of the slate, I guess you can say. We've got Virginia heading to Hard Rock in what could be a very interesting game. Um, We kind of talked about this pre-pod. This is one of those you would think you'd be leaning Miami here, but, you know, is that gut feeling that kind of thinks maybe Virginia's due for a bounce-back game? Miami's a 12-and-a-half-point spread – or 12-and-a-half-point favorite. They are still ranked in the top 15, which is interesting to a point, but I guess at the same rate, I mean, they did win last week, so a win's a win, win, especially in this weird year of 2020. But I'll let you you take the lead on this one, Dan. I mean, what are your thoughts? Uh, How does Virginia respond and potentially win this football game if you think they even have a chance? I mean – Let's. I'll let you dive right into this one. Yeah, this one, it could be a good one, to be honest. And it depends on UVA's quarterback situation. Um, I mean, I get to that. I'll get to that in a second. But and maybe this this is kind of a you can kind of predict how this conversation will go based on what I'm about to say, because I think this game will be really close. Um, But at the same time, Virginia just has too many concerns for me to pick them to upset Miami. Um, It's still possible, but give me Miami by a field goal because I think that UVA is not dead. I think that they will come out and they'll come out firing and, you know, they'll, they'll be really hungry for a win. They're still a good program, but there's just too many concerns for me to pick against them. Like I said, so give me Miami by three points. Yeah, my, my concern here, Dan, and the reason why I, I don't want to use the word Virginia is dead because that's that's not the best one. And it, surprisingly enough, both these teams are averaging about 10 yards more per game than they give up, which is kind of interesting. I always love when those stats are pretty much even on that front. But Virginia's defense, Dan, has not been very good. And that was something that when we came into the 2020 season, we were like, that's what's going to carry Virginia to a pretty good year is that Virginia's well, when it matters most, the defense is going to make stops. And we've seen it so far this year. I mean, against Duke, Virginia's offense is kind of what shot them in the foot uh, against Duke and when in terms of turning the ball over and setting Duke up in short position. Same thing with NC State. And honestly, the same thing with Wake. That game, I thought Virginia played a decent job defensively against Wake, but just a, a couple bad plays offensively, turnovers in the special teams game, just missed field goals. I mean, Virginia has looked very un-Bronco Mendenhall characteristically wise, like when it comes to sloppy play, not really dialed in to start. I mean, they got fell down really quickly against Wake last week. They didn't rally to make it, you know, tie it back up. But we're talking 14 nothing within three minutes of that game. I, I actually turned it off for a little bit, Dan, because I thought Wake Forest was going to run away with that one. Um, and I kind of flipped over and kind of gave my attention over to some games that were wrapping up around that time. But, yeah, 
I think that's my, my concern. I think Miami wins. I actually think Miami's going to cover here too at 12 and a half. I think they win by two scores, like a 14, somewhere around there. And I think my, my reasoning for that is just, again, because I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in Virginia's defense anymore. And I, and I hate to say that because I was so high on them, but you know, I think the one thing that could potentially bail out um, Virginia here is that Miami has been a run oriented team and Virginia has done a pretty good job of slowing the run where the past games kind of was, you know, beating them, beating them up a little bit. But I think, I mean, this is a different quarterback than what Virginia has seen. You know, Derek King is honestly Miami's Bryce Perkins. I mean, he's just that good with his legs and he can make plays with his, with his arm when he needs to. And, and that's where I think that Miami will win this game. I don't really feel comfortable. You know what? I'm I lied. I'm going to go Virginia to cover just because 12 and a half seems a little too high. Miami wins by 10, but yeah, I I'll let you get into this Virginia quarterback situation because Dan, if it's Lindell stone, Virginia is definitely not winning this game. No offense to Lindell stone. Seems like a great guy. He's my hero. Cause he makes me realize that maybe I could still play college football, but Oh, uh, they're not, they're not beating Miami. Lindell stone is not outperforming the Eric King this weekend. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the thing. Like, I don't think based on what I've been hearing that Lindell stone will be seeing the field much, if at all. So it's unclear if Armstrong is cleared yet, but if he is, or if he's not based on what I'm hearing, Keaton Thompson is getting molded more into the like traditional quarterback role and we'll see some significant time. So if Armstrong is playing, he'll be a little bit rusty. It'll be kind of a two quarterback system with them too which will be very interesting to see if not. Um, I mean, Keaton Thompson will be getting more playing time. And I don't know why this is the case where it wasn't the case the last couple of weeks, because I I've heard that he would be competing for the starting job. He would have been competing for the starting job. Had he not been um, having, having that shoulder injury, but either way, it'll be a different look with UVA quarterback. It won't, be Lindell Stone. Obviously, this is all speculation. This is just what I've been talking to people inside that kind of know a little bit more than I do in terms of what's going on inside the program and in practice. But um, also Ira Armstead, the reason he hasn't been playing as much was not because he's not ready yet. It's because he's been hurt. So that so he'll be the backup or third string quarterback right right behind Thompson and it will be stone. That'll be QB four or QB three. So that's, that's what gives me a little bit of confidence that this game is kind of close because we will not be seeing basically. I mean, when Lindell stone runs, when somebody on Twitter pointed this out, he basically looks like a, a punter who dropped a snap and is, and is running for his life. That's what Lindell stone looks like when he's scrambling. UVA won't have to deal with that this week, at least based on the way it seems. I hope you're right, Dan, because that does give Virginia a shot. I, I, I really do like Ira Armstead's game. I think he could be similar to Bryce Perkins. I was just a true freshman. I actually got to watch him play in South Bend when I was up there uh, last year for a game. I saw him play at the high school that he went to up there. I can't remember the name of the high school. It saved my life. But he looked pretty good. Um, you know, obviously he looked – he had looked like probably the best quarterback for Virginia last week against Wake – um, and I still love Keaton Thompson. I hope you're right. Hope his shoulder allows him to throw the ball at the level that he can. 
again, I, I, I've harped on this way too many times on the pod, Dan. I watched him with my own two eyes in person beat Lamar Jackson in his last college game. So take that for what you will. But this game, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's the only uh, ACC game on that late uh, on Saturday night. And there really isn't, if I'm not mistaken, really. I mean, Michigan, Minnesota is probably the next best game. But, you know, obviously my ACC bias will allow this one to be on the on the main screen. So I'll be a little bit more focused on it. But, yeah, that I just don't. It depends, though. I mean, if Miami – both teams have looked really bad. If Miami plays like they did last week against Pitt, Virginia might might beat them because Miami looked dead last week. Again, Virginia's playing backup quarterbacks too, though. So Miami's getting kind of lucky here, Dan. They've uh, they've gotten a slate of uh, backup quarterbacks the last few weeks. But any final thoughts on this one, Dan, or shall we uh, kind of wrap up this weekend or this weekend's preview and, you know, just get ready to watch some ACC football starting Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I just want to see Miami reestablish the run game a little bit because they haven't been too good with that the last couple of weeks. They have been successful with Cameron Harris in the like the first couple of weeks of the season, and I think what it how it will play out is similar to how it did for Wake against UVA, where a vast majority of the time he's bottled up in the backfield for little to no gain. But then you're going to have those long runs where if you miss a tackle, you miss an assignment, he's running for 20 yards or potentially a 75-yard touchdown. So that's the only thing that um, is a little bit concerning for UVA. But, you know, that's also a sign if they're wrapping him up most of the time in the backfield that, um, you know, they, they're they close to figuring things out. But, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, it'll be a good week in the ACC. Maybe not the most overwhelming slate, but – plenty to learn and um you know we've had a lot of confusion the last couple weeks with you know contradicting things happening in terms of who beats who hopefully we'll get a little bit more stability after this week or you know maybe not maybe we'll have more chaos and you know that's what we'll do on the pod we'll embrace it the chaos is coming from the big 10 dan i'm calling my shot nebraska beats ohio state no i'm just kidding but that would be pretty great that would definitely uh get Get the world talking for sure. It would take a lot of pressure off of the ACC if uh, Ohio State goes out. And, uh, then Clemson's definitely the best Nebraska. team. And there's no question. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, at that rate, the ACC should get two teams into the college football playoff. But yeah, that's that's for a different conversation. But no, Dan, I appreciate your time. Glad we we're able to chat here. Looking forward to, uh, like you said, a not overwhelmingly great, but just another another fun weekend of ACC football, which. Unfortunately, we're probably in for another roller coaster ride, Dan. Let's just hope and pray that this is not a Stanford beats USC type weekend where Syracuse, you know, I've seen the comparison on Twitter. I mean, don't think it happened, what happens, but you look back then and everyone said there was no way Stanford was beating USC. And I don't think Dim, Dino Babers is a Jim Harbaugh, but who knows? Who knows? But. Until then, Dan, take care, stay safe, please wear your mask so we can have some ACC football. And as always, it just means a little bit less fear.